Hey family, thank you so much for joining us here on our YouTube channel. We pray that this sermon touches your heart and changes your life, that you and I would all be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus. And hey, if you wanna continue to see more word like this and help us get this message of truth, this message of Jesus out to a hurting world. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. I wanna encourage you to be one of our truth partners. And you can do that by texting truth partner, one word, to 53555 today. And help us get this message of truth out to so many broken people. You and I and the whole world simply need Jesus. We love you. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon. Subscribe, ring that bell for future notifications. God bless you. Now I wanna get into the word that the Lord gave me. The Lord came to me, uh, and I wanna share a little bit of that, but um, I've said it every service, I, I really feel that the road Well, the road for me, I can't speak to you, but the road for me and Pastor Joanne is getting more narrow. And I think the most beautiful way I've ever heard it is the closer you get to Jesus, the less stuff you can take with you. And he begins to really um, stir your heart and prick your heart. And when he speaks to you, um, it ruins you. It ruins you. And your life will never be the same. And you, begin, you become addicted to him and his presence and his voice. And that's really the heart that he is um, dealing with me and it goes against every church growth strategy I've ever heard or read and everything. Um, but we are not building services for people and inviting Jesus. We're building services for Jesus and inviting people. We are not here to minister to you, we are here to minister to him, all of us, to minister to the Lord. Can I get an amen about that? You, you, you can't come to church for a sermon. Sermons didn't die on the cross for you. You don't come to church just to sing songs. I mean, you could listen to sermons on YouTube. Much better than I'm ever gonna be able to preach. You can worship in your car. But we come to experience his presence. We come to experience his presence as the body of Christ and as his bride. Anybody hungry for him? Anybody want more of him? Just more of Jesus, more of his presence, more of the Holy Spirit and the closer you get to him, the less the things of the world matter. And it is, I'm not there. I'm not like, I've got it all figured out, I'm perfect. I, I'm, in a, I'm on a journey of him um, not making me better, but like killing me that he can live through me. A pickle on a chicken sandwich makes it better. Jesus didn't die to make you better. He died to show you the way. He, he died to show you how to die. This is how you die. That's why he said, if you wanna be my disciple, you must first pick up your and follow me. It's about dying to you and your will and your ways that he may live through you. Can I get an amen about that? So the Lord came to me in a dream I should have said vision, that way I'd be young. But I said dream, so I'm old. 
the last day language, the last day language of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? We're living in the last days. And I, I, I said it in the other service, whether you think it's the last days or not, it's your last days. I'm 40, I turned 45 last week. So we're in the last days. <laughs> right, Brian? We're in the last days. These are the last days. I was with Brian the other day. We were at Spring Lake Park campus, and he looked at this picture. He goes, look how young you were in that picture. I said, I don't, Brian. <laughs> it goes quick, doesn't it? It goes quick. But the last day language of the Holy Spirit is visions and dreams. Now, I'm coming down off the stage today because I need to teach you. I need to talk to you like a father today. Okay? So, is visions and dreams. This is from the book of Joel. It says, in the last day, saith God, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. So the future doesn't belong to women. The future doesn't belong to men. It belongs to men and women. In the last day, saith God, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters. So there's two genders. You don't say amen if you're scared. I tell you, there's two genders. There's two genders. Male and female. Okay. In the, according, this, is new, this, is new, this is a book of Joel. Okay. In the last day, saith God, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men and old men shall see visions and dream dreams. So the Lord came to me um, last Friday in a, in a dream and I saw myself preaching. I was preaching to you. And I was preaching in this dream and he was, what I was preaching, I had not preached it before. And, and I was preaching um, this text that I'm about to share with you and he was giving me points and he's only done that to me just two or three times in my 20 years of ministry. And it was the best sermon I, I had ever preached because I didn't preach it. He was preaching it through me. Oh my God, you should have heard it. It was wonderful. It was like the best. I was, I was getting excited from the sermon that I was preaching, but I was, it was weird because I was like a spectator, but I was preaching it. And I knew he wanted me to preach it. He's such a good preacher. I mean, the best, you know. So here I go with my train wreck of an attempt to try to convey what I heard him say. But it was so wonderful, it was so beautiful. And how many of you are glad that our church does communion every service? How many of you are? Are you thankful for that? Let me, let me know if you appreciate that. Do you? So this is what the Lord began to talk to me about, and it was very serious. I woke up, I woke up excited and, and frightened. I really did. Because when I, when I preached it in the dream, I saw, I saw a lot of you. I saw a lot of you in the dream. And um, he, he didn't tell me who, who to, he, he said, don't tell anybody. He said, just, son, just preach that. But I saw a lot of you in the dream. And some of you I knew and some of you I didn't. But I, I, I was preaching it. And, and, and I, want us to, I want us to go there. So go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and I'm going to start speaking at verse 17. Now, this is New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. Now, I just want to lend some more credibility to Paul. Paul, Paul wrote two out of every three pages you flip through in the New Testament. Okay? And I want to encourage you to take notes, even if you've got to take them on your phone, because statistically you only retain about 10% of what you hear. So you're only going to remember four minutes worth, so it's a real bad use of your time. So if you take notes, your retention rate goes over 65%. If you watch it again on YouTube, it goes over 85%. If you tell somebody what you heard, it's yours, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Now, just to give you a little understanding here, Paul was a church planner, and Paul had started this church in Corinth, which is the Corinthian church, and it was a hot mess. It was a dumpster fire of a church because the P Corinth was very wicked. Uh, I don't want to get into all this, but, but the Corinthians served a lot of gods of sex and sexual immorality 
They had issues with gender. Um, they had issues with, the, they, were on, they were on the love is love tip. Just love is love, love is love. They had uh, young men have sleeping with their mothers because there, no, there was no marriage. It was, it was a mess, much like it is today. And they were just saying love is love. This is how you end up with 1 Corinthians 13, which many of you had read in your wedding, which is called the love chapter, which Paul didn't write it because he's like, we need something for weddings. You know, he wrote it because they were saying love is love. And he was like, no, no, let me tell you what love is. That's why you have the love chapter because he was preaching to Corinthians who were just saying love is love, like, you, like we have now. You go into Target and it just says love is love for homosexuality and wickedness. And that's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13. It wasn't for your wedding. You can read it in your wedding, but that's not the purpose of why he wrote it. You don't have to say amen. <laughs> so Paul says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. He says, I'm not happy with you. Since you come together for the, not for the better, but for the worse. Paul, now Paul, Paul would bring a whole church into conviction through a letter. So when a church was just going silly, he would write a letter. So you better believe, if Paul was alive today, the church would be getting a letter. And so he says, um, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, everybody say first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. This is what he says. So he's like, first of all, so there's a list. Because this is first. First of all, some of y'all can't get along. And in part, I know some of y'all, and I believe it. This is, what, this is Paul. You know, he's like a father in the faith. It's like a parent. How many of you, they don't even have to tell you which kid did what. They just tell you what was done, and you know which kid did it. Come on, parents, don't leave me out here by myself. All you have to tell me is what was done. I already know which one of them did it. This is what Paul is saying. First of all, some of y'all can't get along, and in part, I believe it. For there, much also, there's many fractions among you. See, nowhere in the, nowhere in the Bible will you ever see a demon fighting with another demon. You never see a principality fighting with another principality. Remember, what, remember when they accuse Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub? And he says, Jesus says, this is not possible. He says, for Satan has a kingdom. And Satan's kingdom is not divided. For Satan knows a house divided against itself cannot stand. So you never see Satan's kingdom divided. It's only Christians fighting Christians. And this is what you got here in, in 1 Corinthians. They can't get along. And he says, for there must be many fractions among you that those who are opposed by those who are proved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat of the Lord's Supper. He says, when you come together, you're not, you're not eating of the Lord, Lord's Supper properly. For in eating, each of you takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry. This one's drunk. For you, he said, you coming in, eating up everything and drinking. And then he says, you don't have houses to eat in? What is wrong with you? You, you, you don't have a house to eat in. You gotta come into God's house and eat up everything and drink up everything and you neglect the poor. So Paul, Paul's not playing games here. He's verse 22, read it. He says, what? Do you not have houses to eat in and to drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that 
which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this, everybody say do this. Do this, this is not an option. This is a command, everybody say it's a command. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Everybody say, do this. And as often as you do it or drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, this is where it gets serious. Moreover, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let every man examine himself. Everybody say, examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick, many are weak, and many among you have even died. For if we would judge ourselves, we'd have no need to be judged. Now let me get into this. So in the Old Testament, this is New Testament, but in the Old Testament, when you approach the presence of God, there was a veil and was behind the veil would be the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had a lid on it called the mercy seat. And above the mercy seat, God told them, he says, when you, the priest, he says, when you go behind the veil, I will be there in the form of a cloud on the mercy seat. And if the priest had any sin in his heart, any darkness in his heart, when he went behind the veil, he would be killed immediately because no sin can stand before God. Okay? So they tied a bell and a rope to the priest's ankle so they could hear the priest's if he was alive through the bell, and if he died, they, the bell would stop ringing and they'd have the rope tied to him, they could pull him out because they couldn't go in there and get him. So the priest would have to consecrate himself to make sure there was no sin, no bitterness, nothing in his heart that would hinder him in the presence of God. Now if I told you, behind this black curtain up here is the Ark of the Covenant. And the presence of God, God Almighty, your creator, the God of the universe is behind this curtain in the form of a cloud on an ark. And he told me I could bring a few of you. I could take two or three of you with me. question is how many of you would want to go and then the other question is if there's any sin or bitterness or hatred in your heart at all you're not going to make it out how many of you would need a minute come on how many of you would need a minute I'm being serious how many of you would be like I need a minute and it would be exciting and terrifying And this is what the Lord showed me. I woke up with this. Because many people are eating of the Lord's table unworthy. And was the presence of God with the priest when he was in the outer court and inner court? Yeah, but it was, it was a different presence when he went into the holies of holies. Is God with you all the time? Absolutely. But it's different when you take communion. It's different. Do you know a thousand years after the death of Jesus, the church believed completely that every time they saw that bread in that cup, they, they believed that that was the literal body of Jesus. And I don't know, I cannot explain to you what happens when we do communion. It's a mystery. But I want God to do whatever he wants to do when we take it. It's also referred to as the meal that heals. 
that if you have sickness in your body, you should claim your healing because you're in the presence of Jesus. Do you know how many times Jesus was whipped on his back when they crucified him? 39 times. Do you know why they whipped him 39 times? Because if he was whipped 40 and lived, according to Roman law, you're freed. So they whipped our Savior 39. If you get on your phone right now and you Google how many clinical categories of disease are there known to man, it's 39. You wanna tell me it's a coincidence that they beat Jesus 39 times and the Mayo Clinic would tell you there's 39 categories of disease? And Isaiah prophesied thousands of years before that by his stripes, we are that for every stripe on his back, it healed a category of disease. That there is no disease known to man that our Savior's blood cannot heal. This is the work of Jesus. Only Jesus. Everybody just throw their hands up and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed, my body is healed in Jesus' name. Come on, say it. Say, sickness is illegal in my body. Depression and anxiety and fear is illegal in my mind in Jesus' name. This is the work of the cross. And in this dream, I was preaching this and And the Lord began to tell me, he said, tell my people that every time they take communion, they, they should not do it if they have bitterness or unforgiveness or hatred in their heart. Because if you do it, you, you literally drink judgment on your body. This is New Testament, this is not the Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. How many of you believe that verse? This is the same guy. Same guy. He wrote this and he said, tell them, he said, that's why Paul says, examine yourself. Let every man examine himself. We're really good at examining other people. How many people are good at pointing out what other people did wrong? If it was a job, you could get hired today. Come on, they give you bonuses and raises because you are professional at pointing out what other people do wrong. But this is where the Bible says, examine you. Adam, where are you? We well, see, a lot of times we're really good at pointing out what other people do wrong, but we're not good at looking within. When you get close to Jesus, he makes you see you see you. You remember when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to stone and Jesus said, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. See, they were all willing, look at her, look at what she did, look at, they were ready to kill her and then all of a sudden they dropped their rocks because when they met Jesus, Jesus moved them from looking at what she did to looking at themselves. That's what Jesus does. He makes you look at you. Let's talk about you. This is why we do communion. And so the Lord said, every time you do it, you need to examine your heart. Because you're going behind the veil. Come here, Andrew, come here, Marius. So these are my two brothers. Come on this side of me, Andrew. So I said, okay, look. Guys, look, we're going behind the veil. We're going. Are you ready? Because if there's any, if you can con me or all of them, but once we get past that veil, it's you and him. And if there is anything in you that is not like him, you need to leave it here now. 
the church game is over when you go behind the veil. What people think don't matter when you go behind the veil. So if I hurt you, if I offended you, if I, if I said anything, something I'm supposed to say, whatever I did, if you have anything towards me, if I have anything towards you, if y'all have anything towards each other, before we go there, it has to stay here. We have to just leave it here because what we're upset about, the pity party, the self-loathing, who hurt me, who left me, who talked about me, who didn't honor me, all that means nothing once we get in there. That's all flesh. That's all demonic. That's all, that's all flesh. That is spirit. So you have to drop it. And when I began to preach it in the dream, I saw husbands stand up and go to their wives and ask for forgiveness before they took communion. And I saw wives stand up and go to their husbands and ask for forgiveness. I saw teenagers get up and go to their parents and ask for forgiveness. I saw people go to other people in the church and say, I need you to forgive me. I saw people just give things to God that they had carried for 10, 20, 30, 50 years because time doesn't heal, Jesus heals. And if there's anything, once we go past that, once we, see, this would be like us going into the, in the Old Testament, we went behind the veil. In the New Testament, we do communion. When you do communion, it's you going past the veil. And that's why he says, don't do it if you have bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment in your heart. Because we are the body. See, this whole, th- stay here. This whole theology, let me deal with something. This whole theology of it's just me and Jesus, that all Jesus, let me tell you, let me tell you a lie that's been perpetuated in the church. All Jesus cares about is my relationship with him. That's all he cares about. No, it's not. That's not in your Bible. That's your theology that you made up or you heard on some TikTok reel. It's not in your Bible. Does he want a relationship with you? Absolutely. Does your relationship with Jesus matter? Absolutely. But that's not all he cares about. He cares a lot about his bride. He cares a lot about this thing called the church. He's not all about you coming by yourself. And here's what people do with communion. Oh, I'm ready to take communion, Pastor. Let's take communion, yeah. Oh, I'm ready. I hate Andrew. God, he gets on my nerves. Him in his tan coat. God, so annoying. But I love you, Jesus. Me and you, Jesus. It's just me and you, Lord. I love you. The Marius, I can't stand him. Oh, my God. He's so annoying. But me and you, Jesus. This is what people do. I hate my spouse. But me and you, God, I'm ready to do communion. Are you out of your mind? You think God doesn't look at your heart? The Bible says, he that made the eye... Can he not see? He who formed the ear, can he not hear? That when man looks at the outward appearance, God looketh at the heart. And you're going to come into God's house and have bitterness toward your spouse or your children or your parents or anybody else and eat of the table of the Lord as if it's just you and Jesus. And God says, for this reason, many of you are sick. Many of you are weak. Some of you have died. Some people have died or may die because you eat of the table of the Lord. This is, this will kill church growth, this sermon right here. This will kill any kind of, I mean, who wants to go to a church that hears that? Your flesh does not want to hear that. But this is the truth. See, hard truth is still truth, and gentle lies are still lies. And people come to church, and they have hatred in their heart 
from a past church or somebody or a family member or an employee or employer or a friend or who knows what, and they go, it's just me and Jesus. As long as me and you, God. No, 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 no. That's why, that's why Paul says, read it. Stay there, guys. He says, look at what he says here. He goes, Verse 29, put it on the screen. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment upon himself, not discerning the Lord's, what? Body. What is the body of Christ? You are the body of Christ. So he says when you eat and drink of this, you have to consider the body. Can the foot say to the hand, I have no need of you? Can the eye say to the arm, I have no need of you? It's just, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need, no, no, no. This, this is not in your Bible. God cares about his bride. He cares about the church. Those of you who are like, oh, just me and Jesus. Jesus is not even coming back for you. He's coming back for the church. This is, this is what is not taught. So how can I as a pastor have thousands of people come to church every week and going, I'm, I love communion because communion is me and Jesus. I just love it. It's me and Jesus. You know, I can't stand you, Andrew, in my heart. But me and Jesus. Nobody can tell. God can tell. So what does communion then become? Communion becomes the moment where we forgive. That's right. Communion becomes the moment where we drop bitterness and unforgiveness. This is why Jesus didn't tell us, Rachel, how often to do it. You know why? Some, I grew up, they did it the first Sunday of the month. How about you? first Sunday of the month, because people only sin on the last Sunday of the month, so they only need to ask for forgiveness on the first Sunday of the month. Jesus didn't tell us to do it the first Sunday of the month. What did he say? He said, as often as you do it. He said to do it, but then what he said? He said, as often as you do it. Why? Because as often as you need to forgive. as often as you need to let it go. As often as you need to say, you know what, I'm ticked off right now. And my attitude is stank. And I need to let it go. Because I have a lot of complaints that start with I. And I just don't agree. And I just don't like it. And I just think this is nonsense. And I just think they didn't need to say it like that. And I just, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. And the next thing Jesus says, I saw Satan fall. Be careful when your complaints start with I. Hear me. When you go to your spouse and your complaints start with I. I just don't thank you, and I just don't, and okay. Watch the marriage fall. Watch it fall, because it's pride. And God says, when you exalt yourself, I will bring you down. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride cometh before a fall. Let's be good as a church, let's be great at forgiveness. Let's be really good at letting it go. Because in light of eternity, it's no big deal. People argue and walk away from callings over things they won't be talking about an eternity. And 
I just got to say something. And you just got to destroy your future. Give these two a big God bless you. Thank you so much. So the Lord, the Lord came to me and he said, tell my people. He said, when they do communion, weekly, when we come in here and we do communion, this is their moment to forgive. You may have to do it more. You may have to do it more at home and forgive more at home. Some of y'all may have to do it three, four times a day. I don't know. As often as you do it. But what I'm saying is, you don't do it and you, 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 how can you come in here and take communion and walk out angry at your spouse? This is where God says you eat of the table of the Lord unworthy. People were coming in and eating up everything. How can you come in here and enjoy service and never have a heart to serve? How can you come in and eat of the table and never have a heart to serve the table? This is called eating of the table of the Lord unworthy. How can you never serve when your Savior washed feet? Your Savior, the one who made you, got on his knees and washed feet, and you can't open a door? And you come in here and take of the table of the Lord as if God is pleased with you? This is where Paul says, you want me to say I'm pleased with you? He goes, I'm not pleased with you. You want me to praise you? I'm not going to praise you. He goes, you eat of this table unworthy. This is, this is what it means to be a part of a family. You didn't join an organization. You joined a family. How many people want the church to be a family? Okay, until it's your time to do dishes. Oh, I'm a visitor today. We have dish, dish, each one of the kids shake turns doing dishes. Why? And I can, and I can fuss the kids out. Look, I'm, I don't like your attitude. And you know what? When dinner's ready, they come down and eat at the table. You know why? Because they're family. This is what the Bible says. Verse 32, for we, for when we, if we would judge ourselves and chasten, let me back up, verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we'd have no need to be judged. God is saying, if you will listen to me, see, when you got saved, God was serious. And God says, if you will listen to me and obey, I won't have to take you through everything I'm gonna have to take you through to get you to listen. See, because God is a good dad. He's a good dad, and he cares a lot about you. And I don't care what them other kids are doing, Jonah. I don't care if they go into Tarshish. If you get on that boat, this is where God, there was a boat going to Tarshish. People were going. God didn't care until Jonah got on. Now, once you get on that boat, I'm going to call a whirlwind to come get you because you are my child. That's why you can't compare yourself to the world. You can look at the world and they, well, how come they doing this and they doing that? They not my child. You are my child. And if you get on that boat, if you go on that website one more time, I'm gonna call a whirlwind to come get you because you are my child. And I, well, Grandmama, you ain't been spanked till God picks a switch. Anybody ever had God pick a switch? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all was timeout babies. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know about no switch. <laughs> now, it's timeout, Timmy. It's time for timeout. God can put you in timeout too. He put the children of Israel in timeout for 40 years. Let's see how, I'd rather you whoop my rear end than waste 40 years. Amen. Come on, anybody else with me on that? Amen. I don't have 40 years to wait. Get a switch. <laughs> That's the only way I can learn. But some of you, in all seriousness, you need to go to the Lord. 
the children of Israel were stuck on stubborn. And the Lord came to him and he told him, he said, look, disciplining you don't work. This was so beautiful because God goes, disciplining you don't work. He goes, you know what I'm going to do for you? He goes, I'm going to heal you. Some of you need to be healed from your disobedience. The spanking you don't seem to work. It didn't work with the children of Israel. God had to heal them. Some of you have children and discipline in them is not working. You need to ask the Lord to heal them. Heal their heart. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ask the Lord to heal them. And sometimes, you know, the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance because some people will say, well, if you're not good, God won't bless you. But that's not true because the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads you to him. That means God says, I'm going to be so good to you. God goes, you know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to be so good to you, it's going to make you want to repent. How many times I blessed you and you didn't deserve to be blessed, and yet I blessed you anyway. Anybody here know what it's like to have God be so good to you? It made you want to change because you knew he gave it to you and you knew you didn't deserve it, and you knew it was his goodness that drew you to him. God, it's so good. That's the kind of dad he is. I'll woo you by loving you better than anyone else. And he brings you to him. This is the heart of a father. And my prayer for our church is that we would be wonderful at forgiveness. So every time we come in here and everybody, I knew everybody was going to say, Pastor, I love that we do communion every week. I knew I was going to hear that. And we do love it. I do love it. want to do it and not have and have unforgiveness in my heart or bitterness in my heart because the alternative is to not go behind the veil and what is what is life without him what is what is church without Jesus what is this life without his presence so it forces you to repentance. You can have Jesus, but you can't have him with that. So if you let go of that, you can have him. But if you try and have him with it, you won't make it. So you got to drop it. How do I drop it? In his presence on the cross. You go to Jesus daily and you die. And then you come in here at least once a week and you say, Honey, I forgive you. I love you. You should walk in those doors, hold in the hand of your spouse, and give them a kiss and say, forgive me if I did anything wrong this week. Church should be a place of healing. Marriages should get healed every time you come in these doors, whether I'm preaching on marriage or not. Teenagers should go to mom and dad and say, mom and dad, forgive me if I did anything wrong this week. Honey, forgive me. I love you. Forgive me. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better leader. I'm not going to take communion with sin in my heart. As if I can hide it from God. Put on a show in the front. Or you go to God and you say, make me clean, Jesus. And he showed me this. He came to me in a dream and I'm a this is a train wreck of a sermon compared to how well he preached it but he came to me in a dream and he said tell my people tell them he said I see their heart I see their heart and he said tell them when they come into my presence to forgive to let go of the bitterness and I will heal their heart. Some of you have a heart of stone. The Bible says that God will take out of you a heart of stone and put in you a heart of flesh. Some of you feel nothing. 
dry. God himself will do that because he loves you. Is this, is this minister to anybody today? Does anybody bear witness with this sermon? Is it like, oh my God, that's me. And you have a heart of generosity. This is the, this is the body. This is the body. This is what it's about. Where people love the body of Christ. It's like, I want to embarrass them, but my, my brother up here, my family, they, his family, they built the cross. They built that cross for us. The church bought the material, but they built it. They didn't charge us. Come on, somebody say amen about that. They built, look at that thing. That's beautiful. You go into the kids' wing. If you've been in the kids' wing, we bought the materials. There's all the wood, and, and they did the backdrop and everything for the LED. They volunteered. They have a construct. They did that. They didn't charge the church. Other people had asked that they send me an invoice. I'm like, you better hope God don't send you an invoice for that cross he bore. I'm not asking you to do it for me. This is for Jesus, your Savior. Can I get an amen about it? I mean, but you know what that is? That's people loving the church. That's people who love the body. They love the body of Christ. And they go, I'm not taking of the table of the Lord unworthy. So search your heart. Everybody say, search your heart. Examine it. Examine it. It's something to examine. I mean, you look at all of it. Come on. You know we hate looking at us. We don't even want to get on the scale. That's a liar. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Examine examine you. Where are you? Where am I? Oh my God. I have a lot of self-loathing and self-pity and pride and arrogance and will and I have all kinds of unforgiveness that makes me overreact and I have a lot of things from my childhood that I never gave to the Lord and so it makes me be aggressive in areas and a lot of insecurities made me overcompensate in other areas that are not important. All of this is your flesh. All of this is demonic. None of this is like Jesus. And your family is living with it daily. Put it on the cross and kill it so that Christ can live in you, so that you can be healing oil for your family. so that you could be a walking pharmacy of love to your spouse and heal them with your words. You could say things today with your words that would heal your spouse, heal them instantly. Heal kids. Some of you need to pick up the phone before your head hits the pillow tonight do you know why you can forgive because you have received forgiveness do you know why you can give grace because God gave you some give me 10 million dollars do you have 10 million dollars then he can't give me 10 million dollars she wishes you had 10 million dollars Joanne wishes I had 10 million dollars too you can't give what you don't have. But you can give her forgiveness because God gave it to you. You can give peace in your home because he gave you peace. Not like the world gives peace. I give you the peace that passes all understanding. And the only way to have the peace of God that passes all understanding is to give up your right to understand. And you say, Jesus, everything you gave me, I can give now to my family because you gave it to me. And you become a healer in your home. And you heal generations with your words and your touch and you break every generational curse 
and you become a healer for decades in your home. Praise the Lord. Did you get something out of this today? Did Jesus touch your hearts? Hey, I know that this sermon blessed your heart. I hope it's been an encouragement to you to become more like Jesus. That's our heart and that's our prayer. He's the X on the treasure map. He is the topic of heaven. Everything is all about Jesus. And I want to encourage you, get up in the morning, spend time with him, pray, seek his heart, seek his face, and uh, see what he will do in your life. Before you go, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider being a truth partner. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it reminds me of Aquila and Priscilla, who would, who would help the Apostle Paul spread the message of truth. A couple, a married couple, uh, you know, would just invest to spread the message of truth to so many hurting people. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is truth. And you can be a truth partner today by simply texting truth partner, one word, to 53555. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the channel, click that little bell for notifications. But thank you for your generosity. So many of you give online, you give throughout the week, all over the nation. And I just wanna say thank you so much. We're using this resource to continue to get this message of truth out to so many broken and hurting people. And uh, we wanna be a blessing to you. And so let us know how we can pray for you. You know, comment below. There's a lot of resources on uh, my website uh, that are available to you. But we want you to know how much we love you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back on the channel real soon.